0: Today, on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Chloe, who shares a life-changing moment she could never have anticipated. That of being called upon to perform CPR on her dad whilst he was suffering a heart attack.
1: Even though I'm a nurse, I was so far from what I would class as a nurse at that point in my normal role. Like, I wasn't. I was just dad's daughter and I was just trying everything in my power to make the nightmare end, and to bring Dad back.
0: From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Rob Underwood. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. In this episode, as Chloe shares the overwhelming sadness of losing her father, she then relates how, sometime after, the family were able to draw comfort from an epic walk organised in Dad's memory across Scotland, a place for which she held fond memories. Chloe, your story, of course, one of immense sadness, but from that, a journey of great determination involving the family about which dad would surely be tremendously proud, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's no doubt in my mind that dad would be beaming with pride um, for each of us right now. So it's all he's ever done. So it wouldn't be any different.
0: Why particularly did you feel you wanted to share your story?
1: I guess it was, you know, the hope that maybe it could help somebody who needed it. I remember somebody telling me, you know, that you don't have to look far for someone who's going through what you're going through. And whilst it was true for sort of the grief and the loss, and I didn't have to look far for that support. It wasn't necessarily true, I guess, for the the trauma that I'd endured um, hmm. with performing CPR on dad. So, yeah. Through a lot of, I guess, soul-searching and self-help, I now feel that I can share what's happened finally um, and how far I've come. I guess I was always hoping that, you know, I could find someone who'd go, I know how you feel. So I hope that I can kind of be that person to someone out there right now.
0: Tell me about your dad, Alan. What sort of guy was he? Tell me about his loves and his interests.
1: Yeah, so um, dad was a incredible family man um a devoted husband to carol um he had four kids me my older brother ben my older sister kendall um, and my younger brother cameron he was born and raised in glasgow so he had a amazing scottish accent <laughs> um <laughs> and he dad lost his parents when he was quite young he had no other family so he moved to down south when he was young and sort of set up his what I would call his very own sort of family empire from there he was a hard work a hard worker the most hard-working man that I know he was incredibly intelligent and determined and I don't think he actually ever knew how good he was at what he did he was a regional sales director for Virgin Media um, and he worked right up until you know till the day he passed um he'd never changed but beyond his sort of hard-working exterior he was the softest man he was so emotional loving huggable and he he really did he, he beamed with pride about all of us all of our achievements and he was an amazing granddad that's when he came into his own like a duck to water dad was known as papa bear um to his six grandkids mm-hmm. so yeah he was a. Uh, he was first and foremost all about his family.
0: He loved his rugby, didn't he? As well,
1: he did. He absolutely loved his loved his rugby. Um, he loved connecting with others, and he really was just the life and soul. He had so much wisdom, um, which in hindsight I wish I could have bottled up. <laughs> so yeah, oh. yeah.
0: He just celebrated his sixty fourth birthday, hadn't he?
1: He had. He had. Um, so the week before, on the his sixty fourth birthday was on the third of October. And yeah, it was a week later on the 9th of October that everything happened.
0: So going back, tell me your story about the day.
1: So Dad was fit and well. He had no pre-existing conditions. There was no warning signs to what was coming. He'd had a very normal day um, with Carol, my stepmom. They were out looking things, looking at things for their new house. The reason that dad was so close in proximity to me is because he was, um, him and Carol were renovating their house, so they were renting from a family friend. It was just the fact that where they were renting was five minutes down the road from me rather than where they usually are, which is, you know, half an hour or so away. They'd been for a, a nice curry that evening in the local town and gone back home for what should have been just a very ordinary Saturday evening. And what happened next? So it's it's taken me a long time to be able to process this and say it all out loud. So I got a call from my stepmom to say that Dad wasn't well, and um, she'd already made a made a call, rang nine 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 in the fear that Dad was having a heart attack. Mm. Um, she obviously just knew something wasn't right, and um, so I was round within five minutes. I never actually anticipated it would be that. Um, at the time, I. I walked in, dad didn't look himself, he wasn't bright. He was, you know, sort of sat up in bed, not quite lay down, um, but not quite sat up, so he was somewhere in the middle. He couldn't explain a specific pain, um, but it was obvious to me that he wasn't right at that point. And I do think it's probably worth saying at this point that I am a nurse. So on mm-hmm. reflection, I perhaps had an element of, I guess, foreknowledge to do certain things so we started by searching for the nearest defib, and it was all just in case. Everything yes. was precautionary. You know, it was all, you know, if we need it, it's kind of there. Um, Worst-case scenario was what was always running through my mind at that point.
0: He must um, have felt so reassured to see you and know you were there at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think he probably was, actually. Um, <sighs> at that point, I then I rang 999 again. And they actually, they didn't stay on the call because Dad was conscious. So they just said, you know, they'd be as quick as they could. My stepmom had gone to search for the defib and I was just sat on the bed next to Dad, talking to him, making him laugh, being a little sarcastic. Um, I remember saying to him, you know, if you want me to come round, Dad, you should have just said, which was, was making him laugh. And I remember him saying, oh, I love you at that point. And it was, you know at that point I I wasn't overly worried I just thought yeah you know the the ambulance will be here soon and we'll get this all sorted and I was holding his hand and feeling his pulse with the other hand the entire time that we were chatting and at one point he said you know I feel okay now don't worry about the ambulance forget about it um he was I remember him saying it like he was being an inconvenience which was so far from the truth and I've just said to him come on dad you know they'll come here they'll check you over you know and if they, you've wasted the time they'll they'll head off you know it's absolutely fine but let's just let's just get you checked over
0: I know it's not an easy story to recount Chloe and do take your time you perform CPR on him at this point yeah didn't you? yeah I
1: did um so it, it was moments after this that dad had said you know I don't feel well." Um, and he'd mentioned just very instantly that there was a pain in his arm. And he'd said that he felt dizzy. He said, I'm dizzy. And it was in that moment that um, dad's pulse stopped and he went into cardiac arrest. Um, So yeah, I started performing CPR straight away at that moment. You know, I I probably was on my own for what felt like a lifetime but was perhaps five, max, you know, 10 minutes. And continued to then perform CPR later with the paramedics when they arrived. And I guess even even though I'm a nurse, I was so far from what I would class as a nurse at that point in my normal role. Like I wasn't. I was just dad's daughter. And I was just trying everything in my power to make the nightmare end um, and to bring dad back.
0: What do you remember thinking? Um, th- there must have been so many emotions around in your mind at that time, but you knew you had a job to do, didn't you? What What do you remember was going through your mind?
1: When I think back, I honestly, I'm not sure necessarily what I was thinking. There was a huge like disconnect from my body. Um, I just jumped into action with what I knew, what my mind and body would allow me to do in that moment. I'd tried to get Dad on the floor, but I couldn't in the environment that I was in. And I began with the chest compressions and the rescue breaths. And I can only describe it as being in the most unfamiliar territory of my life. I screamed for help, Um And when I reflect back on it, in an environment like this where I may have been, you know, where I've done CPR before, for example, I'd be able to push an emergency button. Everyone that was needed and everyone that was qualified would run to my aid. But also in those scenarios, the person wouldn't have been my dad. And nobody can prepare you for performing CPR on a family member. The only thing that I can think is just to encourage anyone who's unsure of whether they need to perform CPR in that sort of situation where, you know, do they, don't they, j- just do it. Just, you know, if they're not speaking back to you, they soon will. They'll tell you to get off if it's not the right time. Um, but, yeah.
0: How did things unfold from there on in, Chloe?
1: So in in kind of the the fog of what was happening. I had pressed 999 on my phone. It was next to me on the, the bedside. It was like a fitted bedside. I pressed 999. I put them on speaker. I don't remember at all hearing the call handler, actually. Um, but within minutes of me doing that, maybe even within a minute of that call, the paramedics were there. Um, the paramedics, my stepmom, they all arrived at once. And I remember leaving the room, walking out of that room and going straight into uh, the other bedroom with my stepmum. And in the background of that, I heard the paramedics saying, we need backup. They were obviously, you know, speaking to someone elsewhere. And at that point, I just went straight back in to continue CPR whilst they did everything else that they needed at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. We did get an output from dad. But he he remained unconscious Um, and then when the backup arrived from more paramedics, I just remember leaving the room and beginning to make calls to my siblings Um, and the paramedics then were working on that for well over an hour. Um, He'd had several shocks and was attached to a mechanical CPR device called a Lucas, which gives chest compressions and then dad was transferred into the ambulance and me, my stepmom, uh, uncle and sister followed dad down to A&E which is where we were taken into the relatives room and the A&E doctor came in with a nurse called Jess actually I just have to mention her because she was so amazing <laughs> Um. They came in and they told us there was nothing more that they could do. Um, they were going to have to turn the Lucas device off. And I, hate, I hate saying these words, but that's where dad was pronounced dead in resource.
0: The support you drew from each other
1: yeah.
0: as a family unit must have been tremendous at that point.
1: Yes, it really was. Um the family just came together instantly. My stepmum had lost her soulmate that night and we lost our dad, our hero. And we completely and utterly lent on each other. I remember in the beginning we we took on different roles and you know, different duties, different things to do. Um, Anyone in that grieving, that you know, that grieving process and that very early stages will probably know what I mean by that. When you have to kind of do certain things, but we also just reminisce together. We cried together, laughed together, um, and we we still do that now to survive. You know, the loss of dad that still happens now. Even yesterday, we were doing it. So, you know, that's that's the way that we've we've managed to get through it as a family.
0: Yeah, tell me about yesterday. That's a nice story, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So we, um, Dad has had a. We've had a bench put in, in, a local national trust park. So we all went and had the the plaque fitted there. So it's just in the most beautiful spot, and it's just somewhere where we can all go and, you know, whenever we want, whenever we want, and just have that time to, kind of sit there and think of Dad, and you know. I mean, I've been so many times already before the plaque was fitted and you can just put a song on, talk to him, do whatever you need Um, and know that he's kind of with you no matter what, yeah.
0: As a charity, the British Art Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out our life-saving research. Thank you to those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by simply going to bhf.org.uk slash donate. And now back to the conversation. Chloe, being the one who was with Dad towards the end, Mm -hmm. how have you coped personally in the aftermath of this?
1: So it has been the steepest, Um, learning curve of what I'd probably consider my previous blissfully naive existence. (laughs) But one thing I guess my family have taught me since losing dad is there's no right or wrong way to grieve. We had to stick together to survive. Um, We've all had to grieve differently, allow that space and My personal coping mechanism has been my children, first and foremost. (laughs) just thinking of them now and how much they keep me distracted. And you can be in like one of those really dark moments or, you know, you're like feeling like a lot of despair and then they do something absolutely ridiculous and you soon brought back down to earth with a smile, (laughs) Um, thanks to them. So, yeah. um, And then my walking, particularly in those early months my my walking definitely saved me
0: I talked about the journey of determination right at the very beginning by the family and you've just talked about your walking let's bring those both together now because out of that has come this tremendous fundraising effort you and your brother were involved in I mean how did that idea come about first of all
1: <laughs> yeah so like I said walking was my my saviour and a form of therapy and probably on well it will have been on one of those walks i thought hang on a minute you know i want to walk in scotland i want to feel closer to dad and i guess that's where the planning sort of started to begin so yeah
0: and tell us about the walk i mean what would it involve it was it was a yeah. tremendous effort wasn't it
1: yeah so we um we decided to, to walk the west highland way um so the West Island Way is um, a 96-mile route. We decided to do that over six days and ended up walking probably about 100 miles in the end from sort of each spot to where we were staying. But the West Island Way was a no-brainer. Um, it started in Glasgow, that's hometown, and there was so much of the route that we knew dad loved. So dad loved Loch Lomond. He'd been out on boats on there before and he talked about Ben Lomond all the time as well in particular. Um, It had such a special place in his heart and we knew that us walking this would be for him as much as it was for us. What
0: did the training involve? What did you do?
1: So I I guess I did an element of training, um, if you can call it that. Um, I did climb Snowdon, um, a couple of weeks before with my husband and um, I dragged him up there <laughs> um, so that's what husbands yeah. are for of
0: course
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and I did manage to to do some like bigger hikes and things but the main thing was just walking wherever I could with two toddlers attached to my hip I guess <laughs> um, and then we had a, a lot of support from from the British Art Foundation as well who They gave us sort of like T-shirts and wristbands to to help us with those fundraising efforts. So, yeah. Uh, And Annie, I've got to just mention Annie, actually, while while it's on my mind. She was absolutely brilliant. Annie is um, your sort of fundraising lead for the area. And Mm -hmm. she was in regular contact. She was cheering us on. And yeah, that was that was great as well.
0: Lots of time for reflection, a few blisters, no doubt, and some (laughs) stunning scenery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the walk itself was beyond beautiful. It was it was more than I expected. Um, And I got to experience it with my older brother, which I was beyond grateful for because we don't get that time ever. And my sister and younger brother, they had prior commitments, so I couldn't pin them down. Um <laughs> but their time will come. I'll get them again. But yeah, there was there was certainly some some highs and, and lows, as you mentioned, those blisters. Yeah, they were they were not your ordinary blisters either. They were they were quite something. Um I've got pictures, but I wouldn't dare uh, share them with anyone. Um <laughs> and then the, there was some some gorgeous sort of moments like walking alongside Loch Lomond like, it was quite a technical walk um which I hadn't really experienced before when I'd done a lot of my walking but it was amazing and luckily my my brother kind of led the way which was which was very good so I could kind of just I had him as a huge support for me and then the view at the top of Loch Lomond was just absolutely stunning um yeah I never. Never forget it. You know, the highs just outweighed any low.
0: I'm it, sure.
1: It really felt like Dad was, was with us every step of the way.
0: And people to, there to wave you off and also cheer you over the finish line, I imagine, Chloe?
1: Yeah, we did. We had so much support. Um, Carol drove us to the start line. She picked us up from the finish line. Um, her and my sister-in-law, Katie, had made us like survival kits <laughs> at the beginning, which they gave us before we left, and they were fueled with all the supplies and plasters and treats and me and my brother both have a very bad sweet tooth. So it was it had all of, you know, every sort of sweet you could imagine was in there. And we had motivation like postcards and tick tweezers, which thankfully we did not have to use. <laughs> um and yeah my, my sister and my brother walked with us on the first and the last day. Yeah, we had we had so much support.
0: Remind us how much you raised.
1: Yeah so we, we raised um just Shy of £4,000. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. We were really, we were so surprised. We set out to do the walk for Dad and for us, and kind of raising money was a bonus to that. But we were just so overwhelmed with people's kindness and generosity. And still now, I just can't thank them enough. It really, you know, kindness does always win.
0: <laughs> Dad would have been so proud, wouldn't he? Tell us about yourself now, and how far have you come, personally, after all this?
1: It's such a long way. Some days are harder than others, granted, and I'm sure people that are grieving anyone will know this, but the darker days do only make you stronger, and I'm so blessed to have my two beautiful boys that keep me on the straight and narrow and continue to remind me of the blessing of life. And I know for a fact that that is what my dad would be telling me now, like just keep, keep going for them and that's what he did for us. I'll never, ever get over what happened, but I guess I'm, I like to think of it as like I'm learning to make space for it in my life in whatever way that I can.
0: Mm. Chloe, talk to me about the importance of learning CPR and a message for others who are uncertain, saying, oh, it'll never happen mm-hmm. in my space. it will I'll never need to know how to do it.
1: Yeah, um, I was that person, <laughs> um, you know, thinking like outside of that hospital environment that I work in. that you do naively think this is never going to happen to me. But to anyone listening, learn CPR, find out how to via the BHF website, have it there in your back pocket. Hope that you'll never have to use it. One thing that I've taken away from this, when I've reflected a lot, and I have reflected an awful lot, I would have never been able to tell this, you know, this story. You know, even six months ago, it would have, I wouldn't have been able to say it out loud. So, if you're bringing nine nine nine, listen to the operator. Let them guide you. And if you've been there and you have performed CPR before, and whether it's a loved one or or not, you know, if you just you were there, you know, I was going to say wrong place, um, wrong time, but not, you You know, you'll be in the right place at the right time to be there for someone. Just remember that no matter what the outcome, you will have done everything that you can with the cards that you were dealt. Um, be kind to yourself and seek the support if you need it, because it is out there. So another thing is, if you are aged 40 to 74 years old and living in England, you are eligible for an NHS health check. So you can contact your GP, encourage your loved ones to do the same. I'm a huge advocate now for healthcare prevention. And this is one way to reduce the risks of future cardiovascular disease and future cardiovascular events. So for me, it's just an absolute no brainer.
0: An important message there. Yeah. Finally, Chloe, give us a lasting memory of dad.
1: Yeah. I feel like this is the one where I could kind of just go, go on forever about yeah. him. <laughs> um, he was the most incredible, loving family man. And when I think of him, and I shut my eyes. I remember his warm, comforting Scottish accent and... Just how he gave the best cuddles and his love of putting on the best family barbecues, <laughs> come rain or shine, and always cleaning the barbecue as well. That was that was that was a big thing for him. Um, he had his big jumpers that me and my sister would always steal when we were cold. and I never remember actually we'd always get like a. I messaged a few days later, like, yeah, can have my, I've got no jumpers left now, girls. <laughs> um, and him putting films on and hearing him snoring sort of five minutes in putting them on. But, yeah, I just cherish the fact that I was always his little princess, no matter how old I got. I just thank him for guiding me through life with an unconditional love like no other. And I'll forever hold the memories of him walking me down the aisle as well as in being by my hospital bedside when I had my firstborn and just for having a strength like no other. It's the one thing that I don't even think he realised he carried, but I guess it's it's that strength that Dad had that I will now strive to have in my own life and it's probably the reason that I'm doing this podcast now. It's, it's for him. I know that he would be proud of me doing it.
0: Oh, Chloe, well, listen, thank you so very much for sharing your story with
1: us. Thank you.
0: If you have any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health, and you'd like to speak to a cardiac nurse on the BHF's Heart Helpline, just go to our website at bhf.org.uk hearthelpline, where you'll find all the contact options. You'll also find useful information on our vital research, both in the episode notes and on our website at bhf.org.uk. The ticker tapes are for the many people out there living with heart conditions, and it's for them, their friends, and family that we produce the podcast. If you'd like to tell your own heart story, or you have thoughts on this episode, do get in touch with us by emailing the ticker tapes at bhf.org.uk.